It's another Sunday night in comedy and another monthly roundup. And tonight on the panel, four of our favorite Canadian actors who've made waves on the big screen from indie films and TV classics to some of the most viral sketches on the web. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. streaming coast to coast, Canada wide on the Global News Radio Network, brought to you by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. It is also the end of yet another month in comedy, our first month kicking off season six. It is time for another roundup. Uh, One thing, of course, we have our producer Vince Desco on the line. One thing we have to touch on, last week, as soon as we came off the air, we found out the worst news to hit just some of the worst news in a very long time. Worst news to hit the entertainment world. Definitely close to the chest here in, in Canada. The worst news to hit Canadian comedy. We, of course, lost one of our absolute all-time greats. The one and only Norm Macdonald passed away. As soon as we got off the air, Vince. Well, as soon as when we recorded, yeah. When we as soon as we were recording. Sunday, passed. And I mean, you know, obviously, appropriately enough, Canadian news outlets nonstop this past week have been norm, 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 norm. I mean, here in Toronto, you go on the subway and they're playing Norm Macdonald clips on the TV screens. There were so many. I mean, there were. Yeah, he was just such a Canadian comedy giant. And not just that. I mean, you know, we this is one of the reasons this show exists. I mean, one of the things we do in this country, comedy is like our gross domestic export really that's what we do for some reason we grind out comedians it's not just that norm was one of the best or one of the most significant or one of the most famous just norm was just norm nobody had nobody had whatever he had you know what i mean vince he was just the most yeah. naturally funny person well, he was like awkwardly funny he made it awkwardly funny like he he, he almost, broke the fourth wall he was an expertly he was a very skilled comedian at crafting a joke and crafting delivery and played it as if he didn't give a <laughs> you know he played exactly. it as if he just walked into a room confused and bumbled on stage like that's that's the way he did interviews i mean he was infamous as one of the favorite late night guests on conan letterman because you always knew you were going to get good t- clips out of him you always going to get good banter he just nobody did it like norm norm was just norm he was his own flavor he was one of kind We'll never see, you know, we'll always see lots of great stand-ups coming out of Canada, but uh, definitely Norm Macdonald was one of a kind. So Inside Jokes says, rest in peace. We love you, Norm Macdonald. Too bad we weren't weren't able to touch on that as it was happening, but uh, there you go. Such is life this past year, eh, Vinny? We also, we want to, uh, I wanted to touch on, so you went and saw our friend Vic DiPotetto in Montreal this past weekend. Last weekend, yeah, that would have been, yeah. Uh, Great show from Vic, yeah. First American comic to perform in Canada. He had a sellout of what it could could have been with uh, social distancing of about 300 plus people in the theater. Uh, great show. Um, love Montreal. Always uh, love to get back in there and uh, and explore the city and, you know, eat the delicious food and check out the, all the amazing sights. And obviously their comedy is top notch. 
uh, when it's in English, uh, obviously, you know, it's a bilingual. Well, is it really bilingual? I don't really think it's that well, bilingual. Thing, I was saying this to you off the air before we kicked off the show. You told me to get out of here. I know you're a Toronto boy, born and bred, little Italy, born and bred. That's your home. That's your base. This is your city. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's you, like everybody loves Toronto. Everybody with common sense anyways, especially yeah. at the time, loves, loves Montreal. I mean, who doesn't love Montreal? For you, that's like your town. It's got everything. It has everything you like. There's comedy there. There's Italian people there. There's good yeah, hair. Yeah, there's a bit of everything. That's your three things. Toronto will always be my town. Toronto will always Okay, be. I'm just saying, I, I wouldn't be shocked if you called me up one day and said, well, I'm, I'm moving to Montreal. They got hamburgers, Italians, and comedy. That's all you need. Anyways, Vince, it is time for another roundup. Uh, and tonight we're doing something we, we haven't touched on in a while. We're talking acting in comedy. We have a panel of four. We've got indie films, sitcoms, viral sketches, digital content, a little bit of everything from our panel tonight. Uh, we'll go across the line. We've got... Gwen Phillips on the line with us right now. How are you doing, Gwen? I'm well. How are you? We're good, actually. Just so last year during the pandemic, which has been going on for, I it feels like five seasons of radio now or something. But five hundred and fifty-five days. Five hundred fifty-five days. Oh God! Oh, someone's keeping count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gone by so fast. Yeah, we did. We did have you on with us. We you were promoting a short film you did uh, called Alaska, which again yes. was. I was going to say it was mid-pandemic, but I don't know. I, we are still mid-pandemic. I have no idea. Uh, we also have Tanisha Collins on the line. Tanisha, how are you doing? Hey, Dean. I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. We, I, I love this panel because we really, acting is something we, we do touch on it. I mean, obviously, we get people from the world of comedy coming on the air once in a while, plugging a new TV show or a new special or an appearance they did in a, in a film. I mean, Jim Gaffigan last year was like, I did 18 movies this year, but we don't really touch on specifically acting all too much. So it's nice to do that on the panel tonight. And last, but certainly not least, and I'm really going to nail this last name, but we have an actor who a lot of our, a lot of our listeners would actually recognize quite easily. We have Emmanuel Voiger. Right. Voyager, <laughs> Emmanuel Voyager. I really want to say Voix. Uh, but anyways, yeah, your list of credits is incredible. I'm not going to do 10 minutes of radio and turning this into an IMDb page, but people will, will get people to go look it up. But again, our listeners will know you well. So I'm curious to pick all your brains on how these worlds of comedy and acting do overlap. I mean, most of our panel certainly dips into both of those worlds all the time uh, and sort of both those things overlap. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on actually with, with all of you is, because you've all done a variety of roles, obviously, how much of a different animal is it when you take on a role to, to get yourself into the mindset of a dramatic role versus a comedic role? I mean, what's, what's more different? Because with drama, I guess you can access some sort of inner emotions or some past experience. Comedy, a lot of people say, is tougher. For me, I came from the drama world mostly, and my first foray into comedy really was sitcom on Two and a Half Men. So that was like a big, you know, uh, 180 for me and terrifying because I wasn't like a comedic actress. It was new. Um, and yes, for me, it was, I was like, oh my God, this is so hard. Um, just because, and I think it, it goes back to, it is timing. I mean, you can kill a joke in the timing and if it's not it like set up, set like for sitcoms, like set up, set up joke, set up, set up joke. And it's like, if you're, if you're off, the whole thing falls flat and then it's your fault. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
outcome. Whereas, you know, with drama, there's so much more leeway for, you know, unless you're doing a dramedy where there's a little bit more room for stuff. But I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought I, I was like, I have always had a huge respect for comedic actors and then having done, you know, stepped into that world. It, it, it's, it's a completely different animal. I mean, there's similarities, but then, you know, it's, yeah. It's Do you hard. think at the end of at the end of the day, and I mean, I know you all, and we'll, we're going to bring in Sandra Badalini in a second here, but I know you all have, to different degrees, obviously taken on more dramatic stuff. Does that, if you're in a really intensely dramatic scene, in a really intensely dramatic role or moment, do you think that takes more out of you though at the end of it? I mean, comedy is more of a release, right? You get to step into this thing and do something fun and absurd and work on your timing and all that. Something dramatic is like, I don't know, it can take something out of you at the end of the day, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when I do drama versus comedy, drama, if I'm committed to a role for quite some time, it'll stay with me long after the project's over. Like I have to go through like certain rituals to shake off this character and, and, you know, the mindset, like I, I become like a raving lunatic sometimes, you know, and it takes time to step out of that. Whereas comedy is kind of a release and it's still like in both instances, it's listening and answering. Um, but there's not as much inner turmoil going on. Um, yeah. Especially I think, like, women, when we work in drama, we always play these, you know, super tormented characters that are totally broken um, that, you know, that leaves us as individuals broken for, for time after that compared to comedy, where it's just like, it's its own separate challenge. But at the end, you're like, oh, that was so much fun. And you're just la di da you're flitting through life afterwards, I find. Yeah, it's almost like- I don't think that sticks with you, Tanisha? What's that? It's a different way. It keeps me like, you know, it's Well, you joyful. say it takes a while for the drama to kind of leave your body, but like after you do a comedic film, like a week later, like I'm hilarious. Um, and oh my like, God, totally. all the joy is gone. All the joy is gone. <laughs> it's over, it's a quick fix. All of a sudden I'm like, woe is me. And then I go into the drama. No, but I mean like, you know, if you're, I've, I've worked on projects where like, I'm generally a very happy, peppy person. And I was just so snappy and so peppy. And I mean, so, so like, like every comment that I made was like off the cuff, like very raw and blunt, you know, versus comedy. It, it stays with you, but you're usually a pretty fun person to be around compared to drama. <laughs> yeah. Especially, no, if it is, no. especially if it is something really heavy, right? It's like, how do you not yeah. in some way take that home with you, you know? Cause you're just, you're just steeped in it. You're so in it. Uh, anyways, we have another friend of the show. For many, many years, all six seasons, really, an old friend of ours joining us on the panel, the one and only Sandra Badalini is on the air, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Sandra, Sandra Badalini has entered the chat. I Sandra, what's up, when you, when you said, are you coming? I was like, oh, my God, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just a radio show. Don't worry. No, no, but it's like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, filming, I'm filming this special on Saturday, and so I was just like, I've been trying to just finalize, like, do my running order. And, you know, and then I was so into it and I'm like, okay, I'm almost, I've almost got it done. I'm going to send it to the producers. Anyways. So I'm so sorry. That's terrible. And we'll, oh, no, we're okay, we'll come back from break. We'll rejig and we'll get everybody defamiliarized or refamiliarized. Yeah, when we come back from break, we'll, uh, we'll get into what the, you do have this special that you're shooting. By the way, I mean, busy and, and very fruitful couple of years for you, Sandra Badalini. I mean, you had this documentary come out just before last year, the mayor of comedy, formed cask which we'll get into a little bit too this huge this union in canada finally 
for comics and for stand-up performers. Uh, now you're filming the special. There we go. Good things are happening in comedy and acting. That's what our panel is all about tonight. That's what our roundup's about. We're going to go back with more inside jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, it's Emmanuel Vogier, and you are listening to Inside Jokes. It's the thrill that'll get you when you get your picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. Wanna see my picture on the cover? Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you spot hecklers in the crowd since 1967. It is our roundup. It is all actors panel. On the air, we have Tanisha. Sandra, Gwen, and Emmanuel talking all things acting and comedy with us. Uh, Sandra, we just brought you into the panel with us. I'll, I'll maybe we'll start this one with you. I know you've you've dabbled in both. Stand-up is your, that's that's what you do. That's your career. But you do a lot of acting work as well. I know yep. comics really have to sort of branch out and spin different plates at the same time. Why is it, do you think, that so many, I mean, we look at over the years, so many successful stand-up comics have been able to make this transition into dramatic roles and become serious actors. I mean, what is it about that? I mean, Jim Carrey is obviously a big example. Lots of comics have done this over the years. They basically did a reverse John C. Riley, Because John C. Riley started off as like an indie actor, always in dramatic films, and now he's just a comedy guy that's in every Judd Apatow movie or whatever. But why do you think it is that so many comics are able to tackle these dramatic things and become these serious actors? Robin Williams was another one. I think because comedy comes from like a real place, often a place of suffering and pain. And so being able to transmute that into a joke, you know, is that release for you and for the audience. So getting, you know, being able to play those two, like the comedy and the drama, they're kind of one and the same. It's just the other side of it, you know? So I think that's, I think that's what it is. Instead of like, you know, you were asking, what, you know, when you have to do a dramatic role versus a comedy role, like I auditioned for something a couple of weeks ago and it was dramatic. And I was like, it just, I guess it felt a little bit easier from the point of view. Well, you just use, it's, I don't, I'm not saying it's easy, but just that, well, you're going to pick an emotion and do the, do the, do the part, you know, like, um, whereas if it, when you're doing comedy, especially if it's dramatic comedy, you know, that's sort of, that, that subtlety is, is, is a real, is a, is a real technique to it, or I don't know, not, yeah, I guess it's something that you learn. And if you can do it to me, that's always the best stuff to watch, you know, is when people are really sort of tapping, tapping into that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that, I think that that's, uh, you know, cause going up on stage and telling your pain, talking about your pain in that way, it is the most vulnerable thing you can do, almost. I mean, I think it really is. Unless you're a stripper, that's pretty vulnerable. But, you know, <laughs> but hey, man, flaunt if you got it. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. I mean, there's nudist stand-up shows, so you could do that. I know, I've not done them. I've not done them. times, <laughs> but I, I have not done them. What's more uncomfortable, by the way? And I mean, Gwen, I'm sure you can touch on this too. I mean stand-up and sketch it's kind of the same thing as far as audience response goes what's what's worse what's more uncomfortable a bit that doesn't land like when an audience doesn't respond to comedy or a blown audition because i know i remember and again i'm a terrible actor i barely t dipped into it but as a comic it was like okay you have to do commercial auditions 
I hated them. To me, I would rather eat it on an open mic any night with new material than do any audition whatsoever. So what's actually more uncomfortable? Um, I guess blowing an audition is pretty bad. I, yeah. I I've really only blown an audition a few times in my life and it's a horrible feeling. You know, there's sometimes where you do a bad audition and you're like, oh, I didn't feel great. But then they don't give you a lot, you know, like you don't get immediate feedback very often when you're in an audition room or even on zoom or we're doing all of these auditions over zoom now right so it's like a lot of the time you don't even see people you don't hear anybody it's just like a blank screen so you're like i don't know how that went you just have to kind of trust your yeah guy. um but yeah really uh can i say the bed um audition is like a really bad feeling um and i'd say that is worse because when it's when a bit doesn't go well you know, in a sketch show or something, it's like often with sketch, you know, I have a sketch partner, we write together and it's like, if we find it funny and the audience doesn't laugh, I'm still like, we find it funny. So who cares? You know, like I, I, it's, it's still satisfying for me to write something that I find funny and perform that. And if it doesn't land for some reason, it's like, well, who cares? You know, like move on to the next sketch. You also can always do another show and like, you know, it's your, you yeah. are charge, you have the control, right? you're not like at the dis like disposal of a casting director saying like you weren't good or the producers or directors saying we don't like you or something it's like you're the person saying like that was bad and that kind of sucked and that joke I wrote didn't work so it's kind of like well it's it's your own thing it, it does I feel like by the way like the nice thing about the sketch world is it is very collaborative and it's very much a community and everybody like we're working together. We're working on this bit together. We're bouncing ideas off of each other. Stand-up is almost the complete opposite of that because yes, stand-up, you have your friends and your peers and, you know, people you like to see backstage waiting to go up and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, everybody's in stand-up for themselves. It's a very lone wolf game. It's like, you're going after the same stuff. You're worrying about your material and your time is acting like that as well Is acting very like cutthroat. You show up in the audition room. I'm here for the same role you are. I just want to destroy everybody else in this room. Does it, is there a lot of that vibe, like, like stand up? I mean, Tanisha, we'll, we can go to you with that one. I mean, you know what? I think that when you're starting in your career, you have that perception of it, that everyone's kind of just fighting each other. But I feel like as my career has evolved, like I've realized that there really isn't any such thing as competition. Um, because when you walk into a room, you're walking into a room with 20 other people who are basically a different version of you. Right. Um, but in the end, you're bringing your, hopefully if you're doing it right, you're bringing parts of your authentic self to every single role, whether it is one of those really zany commercial auditions or this deep realistic drama. So I, like when I walk into a room now, yeah, there's people that I'll look around the room and I'll be like, oh yeah, like usually it's between us four or something like that. But I don't look at it as competition now. I just look at it as like, hey, if I don't get it, I hope you get it uh, because I respect you. Um, and your success doesn't take away from, from my success or my talent or my ability. Uh, but when I started out, I'd see, you know, specific people that I'd always go up against and I'd be like, damn it, like there's my competition. And yeah. that, that actually stifled me because that mentality going into it, when you see, you know, that person that, you know, who's the series regular on the American show, um, you know, in the same audition as you, and then it, you're like, oh, well, they're going to get it. Yeah. Um, you know, you walk into the room with, even if you don't realize it, like it changes everything about you because there's this slightly defeatist attitude that tinges your audition. 
Um, and, you know, once I shook that off and I was like, okay, no, we're all in this together. If I don't get it, it's because I wasn't right. Um, and that's when I started a lot more. There you go. And it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like just worrying about, it's kind of like that in stand-up in a way where it's, you know, you just have to keep your head down and not worry about what anybody else is doing and just worry about your material, worry about your time. I, I mean, in, in acting, there's so much more of a level. Of, and I mean, Emmanuel, obviously, you know this as well. Acting, it's a weird thing because a lot of the time you're being cast for a type, right? So you walk into an audition room, you see all these other actors. It's hard not to get into your own head looking around the room and go, oh, that person looks more like this role or that person, that person's going to get it. You know what I mean? In stand-up, it's more just like, you don't worry about that until you watch somebody absolutely destroy on stage and then you go, oh, great, I have to go up after that. <laughs> now I'm screwed that they just stole the show. But it, it, is it the same where in... in in an audition, you walk in and you look around and it's like, you're worried about what other, all these other people are going to do. I think if you're worrying about that, you're really doing yourself a disservice in the sense of like, I mean, you can't control what they're going to do, what, how they're going to, and no one's going to do it the same. Like this idea of like, oh, well, I've got to find the right way to do it. It's like, no one's going to go in and, and bring what you bring to the table. So it's like, you know, go in and do you and, and be the best version of that. And then let the chips fall where they may. Cause like Tanisha said, like if they, you don't get it it's not because you're not good or like it's it's just like you weren't right for the role and there'll be another one down the road that you are right for and it'll go your way and and you just you can't otherwise you're yeah you're you'll make yourself it's crazy making <laughs> sitting in a room and being like oh god they're gonna really want a blonde for this i don't think no they're gonna go you know <laughs> it's you know whatever it might be it's just like you'll drive yourself completely insane <laughs> manuel um for when for when you're on Two and a Half Men, obviously it's a catered show to sort of a male personality. So being cast in that role and working with someone like Charlie Sheen, who I guess would not be known for comedy. I mean, maybe his- Not intentionally. Yeah. Um, how much of that was, obviously it's in the writing, but how much of comedy influence was that with your character as he's been doing the sitcom for quite some time and how much did that relay on bouncing the kind of funniness off of your character and what your character needed to portray in the scene did you get any advice or any of like uh charlie harper vibes or whatever that was that made that show successful <laughs> um did you get any sheenness, <laughs> yeah. sheenness? um i mean he's not known as a comic he's not known as a comic he, he tried to do a stand-up bit and he, i think he failed miserably so when you're in a sitcom which is predominantly funny how much of that do you need to rely on a the writing or your co-star I think, um, I mean, the, the writing, I think, is a huge part of it. Um, if the obviously. writing isn't funny, obviously, as we all know, in anything, if the writing sucks, the show generally sucks. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, Char Charlie was great. In the, I mean, I think, you know, it was new to him, too, in the beginning. I, I came in in season two, so he already sort of had a, you know, he, he kind of had settled in nicely into that role and, and had gotten the hang of things. Uh, you know, he, uh, like you said, he didn't come from that world. Um, but he's naturally just a funny guy, like his dry sort of witty sense of humor. You know, he, what you saw on screen was like that, that was authentically sort of the kind, you know, his sense of humor and sensibility. Um, the one thing he did, 
his one of the sheen sheenness isms? things the isms <laughs> that he um one of the things he did say to me at one point because actually in the very beginning because the whole live audience thing scared the out of me like I was like oh my god what <laughs> there's gonna be yeah. real people you know like I mean stage is one thing you know like but like this was like cameras and crews and it's not it's it, I'd never done it so it was scary and you know he saw that I was terrified and um and he he said look there the audience isn't here because they want to you know the show or they hate the show they're here because they love the show so if you screw up and whatever like they love that like that's like it's you know it makes it real it makes it like you're not a robot and it's um, all part of the thing too right exactly it's part of the whole experience and the feedback from the so the minute he said i kind of went something clicked and i went oh oh okay cool and like and then i was able to sort of let go and have more fun um and then yeah. it got better from there so you always see bloopers in a comedy show or a comedy film but you never see like bloopers of the english patient or something <laughs> no, I'm sure they're there. I'm sure they're there. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see English patient bloopers. Shatterless bloopers coming up next. That's such a product of a bygone time. Is that you know that three camera live studio audience sitcom? It's like that was sort of the the end of all that. Uh, anyways, we got so much more to get into with our roundup with our panel. I sort of want to touch on something that Emmanuel was talking about as well. We'll come back with more of the roundup right here on Inside Jokes, Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hi, I'm Gwen Phillips, and you are listening to Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And of course, coast to coast, not even just Canada-wide, in fact, planet Earth-wide, streaming on the Global News Radio Network. It is another roundup. It is an all-actors panel tonight. We are on the air with Tanisha, Sandra, Gwen, and Emmanuel. And actually, I want to touch on something we were getting into before the break. We were talking about how actors sometimes, I, I feel like it's probably an early on thing as well. It, actors sometimes get into an audition room and you sort of you're intimidated I guess by everybody else in the room and you're looking around going oh no they're gonna get it they look more the part da, 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 da. but Emmanuel was making this great point about how it's not really about that it's about putting your own stamp on that role making that character yours finding finding your voice the same thing in comedy it takes you know people get into stand-up and you they sort you struggle through it and you fall down you have to find out your voice you have to find out who you are I know, Gwen, you were really like nodding in agreement to a lot of that stuff. Do you think when a lot of actors are first starting out, you're going to your first few auditions, you they're really putting too much emphasis on just <laughs> saying the words on the paper and also impressing the, you know, whoever's on, like the casting director, whoever's in there? Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, obviously, like, be respectful to the writers and stuff, but the the lines aren't as important as people think. And I've been behind the camera as well. And I've, you know, I've done auditions. I've been in the room I've, and I've seen actors really like, you know, take it so seriously. And it's like, oh, I messed up one word. Can I start again? And it's like, it's really not important. You know, it's more about how you, how you uh, make the role your own, how like bringing your own, as you said, putting your own stamp on it. And, you know, I think that that helps actually to watch auditions sometimes if you ever get a chance as an actor to like, be a reader 
um, it really demystifies everything around the audition process and being in the room and everything. And it's like, right, whatever I thought that I was doing and however I was viewing my own audition before the audition happened, after watching more and more people do it, I'm like, oh, I, no one is doing it the same. Everyone's doing it completely differently. Like you think that it's like, oh, we're all in competition with each other and every, this girl's gonna be so much better. And it's like, well, you know, everybody's different. Everyone's take on it is gonna be different. And, and if you can find moments that are your own and, and kind of like just put, bring something different to the table, then that's how you stand out. And one thing I think that's interesting, and I'm curious if this sort of happened in the acting world a little bit too, because, you know, we were talking earlier about sort of that competitiveness and egos and all that stuff certainly exists in all of showbiz. It exists in the acting world. It exists in comedy, all that stuff. But one thing, and I mean, Sandra Badalini, of course, you know all about this because you're a big part of what has happened in the last couple of years here in Canada is that, yes, there's always been that sort of competitiveness in Canadian comedy because really we're going after the same shallow pool of stuff, right? Everybody's going after the same clubs, the same festivals, da, 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 da. But we really saw this sort of communal thing happen, this togetherness happen where, and really it started off a couple of years ago, there was the whole Sirius XM thing where Canadians weren't going to get the residuals and all that stuff. It was really one of the first times we saw comics come together and sort of put away the, okay, I'm going after the same stuff as you and really come together and be sort of like one village. Right. And of course, that's when you you founded uh, Cask, which is this union for Canadian comics that has made a huge difference. You've gone to Parliament with it. Mayor of Comedy was this documentary about the whole thing. So we really have seen, and and COVID it certainly brought it even tighter together. We've seen comedy turn into more of an actual community. Yes, they're competing with each other, but there's more of this camaraderie there. I want to go to the roundtable of actors as well. I know COVID obviously put a lot of acting and shooting world on pause as well auditions were on pause tapings were on pause yes you're competing against other actors but have you seen more of this sort of communal thing happen in acting because you're in one industry and you're all going through this together I know Tanisha's sitting up there you're nodding nodding your head yeah I've, see, I've seen it a lot and I'd say especially like being a performer of color um, I see that a lot I see a lot of people, whether they are BIPOC or not, they're trying to build their communities to feel a sense of belonging, but also to help people progress. Because I'm, I'm a firm believer that you're only as successful as who you bring with you. And I've always been that person. Like I'm that person. I will share the opportunities. I'll, I'll talk about what I'm going in for. I have, I don't keep things secretive unless there's an NDA because I want people to know what's going on so they can do the work themselves as well. Um, and now I'm, I'm, I'm getting that back from other people. So there's a lot of people who um, are sharing what they're working on and they're sharing their best practices and what works for them. And they're sharing their resources. I, I started writing as well. And, you know, between acting and writing, there's a, like people are just so starved for a community, um, especially during COVID, especially people who are like you, whether you are BIPOC or not, just people who are allies of, of the people of color and of LGBTQ plus communities. Um, it's really, really beautiful. And, and it's exciting to see because when you look at like the next two, three years, how that will look like, it, it looks very promising because of that. Yeah. And if like, you know, one of the things that's happened during all of this going on pause, like, in comedy that definitely happened huge because really in, in, in Canadian showbiz and Canadian entertainment, 
it was really the performers and the independent producers who who sort of saved the industry this past year. I mean, Sandra, a lot of the comics involved in Cask, it wasn't the sort of gatekeepers and bookers this past year that kept everything afloat. It was really comics launching their own things and making their own opportunities and finding new ways to reach out to audiences. Now the festivals and all that are coming back, but for like a year, there was none of that stuff and it was just comics figuring out how to still work, right? It's always the artist. The artist is always yeah. spearheading stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, this last year and a half, it's it, it's like shown us too that it is the promise of like, this has all been prophesized, you know? We're coming out of the age of Pisces. We're coming, in, we're in the age of Aquarius. It's all about community and all the hierarchies are crumbling. So, you know, you kind of, and I, and I, what I discovered when I was lobbying, one of the big things was, you know, everyone kept quiet in comedy, right? They didn't want to complain about what was really going on. Same thing for actors. This is what I discovered when I started talking to Actra. But what I learned was like, people kept quiet because they were afraid that they would lose work. Well, then in our silence, the industry disappeared. Same thing, you know, and then when we started talking to Actra, I was like, you know, I know that you guys do, you lobby, but I I just don't see a lot of it. And they're like, yeah, because a lot of actors won't talk about it. And that's the lie we all bought into, that if we kept quiet, we'd still get work. What's going on is like, we're coming out of ego consciousness. We're going into the light. We're ascending this matrix of fear, right? We see how, how prominent it's been the last year and a half. We rise above it. And then all of a sudden, all those old structures that we were all bound to, that made us worried about, oh, what does this person think about me? Uh, I don't know if I did a good job. Who cares? You're just in your light and you're, and you're, and you're just expressing, you're expressing yourself to other people together. It's like all, everything that we know is going out and is done. There we go. We have, it's all about community. I mean, that is what really kept everything. That's how it started. It's where we started. And I mean, it, it applies to acting. It applies to comedy. And I mean, we're in Canada. It applies to Canadian showbiz as a whole. It is really a small village. Uh, there's something I want to touch on with Emmanuel when we come back from the break. And we're going to wrap it up and find out what everybody's been up to and where you can find all of our guests right here on Inside Jokes. Hi, I'm Sandra Madalini, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. Satellite of Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by Hakeem Optical, helping you stay six feet away from everyone you love. It is, of course, our roundup on the panel. It is all acting and comedy tonight, how those worlds overlap. We have had an all-star panel of Canadian actors, and in some cases, slash comics. Uh, Emmanuel, one thing I wanted to sort of pick your brain on you know we've been talking to a lot of comics this past year during the pandemic who said their 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 priorities sort of changed and the way they work sort of changed uh because you know in canadian comedy it was always about get jfl get a couple of the big ticket credits get a good resume and then get your visa and then get out (laughs) and go to new york or go to la i'm sure in acting it's the same thing it's like i have to make my way to la but a lot of Canadian comics this year, they've sort of realized that, you know what, I can stay here and I can figure out a way to sort of cultivate my own audience. Home became sort of more important and career-wise, it didn't so much matter anymore where you're based. I know for you, I mean, you're a Canadian actor, but you've worked consistently for years in American network series. I mean, 
CSI, Two and a Half Men, you've done dramatic roles on American television, sitcoms on American television. For you, do you think it's the same thing? Do you think it matters so much where you live and work anymore? Um, well, like you said, it, it used to a lot. Like, you know, you had to be in LA, in the rooms, meeting people face to face. Now, one of the blessings that, that you know, <laughs> that came with all of this is everything's virtual. So it doesn't matter where you are. <clears throat> There's no in-room, you know, anything really. And if there is, and it comes down to the wire and they want to meet you, get on a plane and go. Yeah. Um, so... For me now, I mean, that was the biggest reason other than the weather um, to be in Los Angeles. And I was there for 20 something years. And I realized I was like, you know, if I don't have to be here, I mean, I'm one of many who hightailed it the hell out of there um, (laughs) over this past year and a half, because quality of life wise, I'd rather be, you know, somewhere else. Um, and right now that's Vancouver, right. You know, so I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I can be anywhere. I haven't tied myself to any specific location. I'm, I'm here in Vancouver cause my mom's here. Uh, I have a, a, a horse that is much happier and in, in the environment, like not being in Los Angeles and stuck in a smaller facility. She's got lots of space here to roam around where there's beautiful shows and things. I mean, they're just, there's so many things about, um, not having to be in LA and having you and and being able to put stuff on tape wherever I am you know and at in the comfort of my own home in my own time you know I don't do it at home actually I go to a, another person's place and we do it together that he helps put pe- another actor and like you said like community like helping each other out yeah. um <clears throat> but it's it's great because I can be like, okay, you know, I don't have to be anywhere. Like I hate the zoom auditions. I'll avoid them at all costs. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the lag and the whole, I mean, I'm like, how are, how is this conducive to a, a good performance? Like it, it just, it, it isn't. So I'll avoid that unless I absolutely have to do it, but it's created this sense of freedom and um, just, joy in my life to not have to be in a location based on in a town that revolves 100% around the film industry I'm like that's not the only you know I'm in a place in my life where that's not the only thing that matters Um, and it never was the only thing that matters but it was a big focus always because you had to kind of be surrounded by it and be there to make any real headway um and now that it's not the case anymore and I love it. Like I'm like, I can, you know, home, like my home base is so much more important and, you know, and quality of life. And so that uh, I'm very, very happy about it. There we go. Look at it. Who would have thought we would do an all showbiz panel and the main message is home and community. That's. <laughs> God, well, I, I think I almost changed. threw up in my mouth there. <laughs> Times have changed. Vince, we should have just called this episode the Home and Community. People will be like, what's that even about? Well, just wait and see. Uh, Emmanuel, we'll go across the panel, find out where we can find everybody's stuff. Where can our listeners look you up? Obviously, IMDb. <laughs> IMDb. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Emmanuel Vauger. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. But mostly Instagram is and TikTok as well. I had... Woo-hoo! God. Uh, TikTok. There we go. <laughs> the dark side. Well, I didn't. The show is on TikTok. That's all Vince. I'm not, I'm not ticking or talking. Uh, all right, Emmanuel, thank you. Thank when, you. where can we find your stuff and what you are working on? Um, well, I was on this show last time talking about Alaska, which was my other short. And uh, I have a new short coming out called The Women's Hour that you can keep an eye out for. Um, 
might be doing some festivals, not sure yet, can't really say anything, but keep an eye out for that. And I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram. So check me out. <laughs> there we go. And festivals are a thing again. It is wonderful. It yeah. feels like that's been a million years. Tanisha Collins, where can our listeners find you? So last time I was here, I was promoting Fatherhood with Kevin Hart. I am still yeah. riding that Netflix high because it is one of the top 10 most streamed films on Netflix of all time. So check out Fatherhood on Netflix. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Tanisha C on Twitter. And hopefully you'll be seeing my writing very soon. There we go. And last but not least, Sandra Badalini. I know, like I said, it's been a busy couple of years for you. You are, of course, doing a, it'll be this weekend after we've hit the air, but you are taping a live album taping this weekend. And also lots of stuff is going on with Cask. Yep. Yeah. So um, I'm no longer the president, but I'm working on the export strategy and um, which is trying, you know, getting Canadians out of the country. Uh, so we're, we attended the German virtual trade mission because um, we were supposed to go to Europe last year. So we were, we've created like an exchange tour with France. Now we're building one with Germany and Sweden um, because, you know, the goal, the idea is like, you know, forget the United States. It's too complicated to, to go there. What yeah. if instead we focused on a branded mission to get comedians out of the country and around the world and then their discoverability will, will elevate um, yeah, and we're and we're also been starting to lobby the city of Toronto, so that's also very exciting. And uh, yeah, Instagram, blah blah blah, this and that, Twitter, Twitter, <laughs> Tinder for a week, no more. <laughs> Better right now, no longer the president, but she's still a client. Still, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. That is our panel. Thank you all so much. Honestly, I feel like we barely just scratched the surface. We could really. We two hours. We right. We need two hours. We're trying. We're trying to get them to give us two hours. We maybe in season. Oh wow! Good. Right. Who knows? We'll see. That is our panel. Don't forget, you can tune into all of our episodes right back to the very beginning on Global News Online. That is our show. We'll be back next week. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt Sandra Carusi's Comedy RX. This week's Comedy RX features our favorite clip from Norm Macdonald on Conan O'Brien. Uh, what's the movie going to be called? Really? I know what it's going to be called. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> if it's got Carrot Top in it, you know what a good name for it would be? What's that, Norm? Box Office Poison. <laughs> All right, well, there's this two-hour season finale of Melrose Place. There's this movie coming out. Yes. Title undetermined at this point. Chairman of the board. Oh. All right. Do something with that, you freak. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet the board is spelled B-O-R-E-D. <laughs> 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 <laughs>